Heart. You gotta have heart. Miles and miles of heart. What is heart? Heart is running through a return man when the game is on the line. Heart is giving everything you have in practice, day after day. Heart is finding the strength to run down the field one more time when you can barely breathe. The heart in me pumps Husker Red. Hello and welcome to a brand new Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by Coordination.com, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. Greg Mahochko here, joined, as always, by the co-host, not just a co-host, nay, nay, the co-host, our founder and fearless leader, John Dam Johnston. Hello, John. Hi, Greg. And you're we doing... We're going to win. We won a game. We're going to talk about that. We won that. a game. And oh. It was almost a year. Also joining us is Todd Wolverton. Hi, Todd. How you doing, Greg? I'm doing good. You know I had to rush through that because I was afraid John was going to interrupt me again. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, let's get right to it. Um, Nebraska won a football game. As John said, it took almost one calendar year. They beat Penn State. It was a long time since the last victory. Did how did it make you feel, John? Did it did it make you did it give you the the warm and fuzzies on the inside? No, you know how I felt. Fucking relieved. Yeah, honest to God. Uh, I my former boss Matt Brown out there tweeted during this game, which one of these programs is going to be more broken when they lose this game? And I thought, oh God, you know I I it wasn't so much that. Beating Penn State, you know what I mean? It was going getting out to a 27-6 first half lead and then losing it, which would have been the heartbreaking. Part. Right. You know, Penn State started out this season ranked number seven, I think, preseason, and they are now 0-4, and uh, uh, they're, they're in rough shape. Their fans are in rough shape. They're, nothing's going good for them, and uh, everything is going much better for us, and I, that's nice. I mean, is it? Is it going that much yeah. better? Yes. I don't know. I dispute you know that. What are you being, chain Yankee trolley butt? <laughs> I just I don't know I mean, if things are going. I don't. We we ha, we continue to have. I'm not going to say there's a, a battle anymore, and I feel like Luke McCaffrey is this going to be the starter going forward. But we had, uh, I'll use the word turmoil, turmoil at the quarterback position. We had indecisiveness at the quarterback position, and we didn't display much of a running game against Penn State. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm not, look, I'm thrilled Nebraska won. Don't get me wrong. I cheered. It felt great. And... We, you know, there's still, I, I think, too many question marks to say that we're in a much better position than Penn State. Well, we I, went up against one of the most talented teams in the nation. Our offensive and defensive lines look like they're ready to play in the Big Ten Conference for the first time in since Mike Fuckface destroyed our program. They took on 
a D an offensive line on the defensive side of the ball. That's probably one of the better, at least talent wise, Penn state has talent coming out their ears and, and we played decently in the second half. We went ultra conservative. We ran the same mind boggling plays over and over and over. And we still hung on to win the game. Especially after they replaced Sean Clifford with Will Levis, and it looked like they'd finally figured out what they were doing for the season. Now they have Iowa coming up this weekend, and if they go zero and five, if Iowa beats them, they will be zero and five for the first time in their school history. I don't know if uh, I don't I don't expect them to lose to Iowa. I think they found something in the second half. Maybe we cure people. Maybe we're the cure for other people's ills. But I, I do think that they found that uh, their quarterback situation was uh, not good, and they fixed it. But I think, yeah, we looked much better. We looked like a, a team that was – put it this way. Our defense looks like they might be a functional defense in a year in which no one is playing defense. And in the end of the game, the defense rose up and won the game for us by keeping another opponent out of the end zone. I don't care if Penn State has red zone problems. I don't care if they have gonorrhea flowing throughout their entire team. And that causes red zone problems. <laughs> you know, you don't – there's no such thing as, as style points. And, you know, a, a win is a win. And I think, you know, Scott Frost, when he said the state needed to win, the team needed to win, he needed to win, um, you know, this – this was big from that perspective. And there are a lot of ways that we can pick this thing apart. And Greg, you mentioned, you know, not establishing a running game. Well, you know, Mills got dinged and he was out. Apparently I thought Marvin Scott was okay when he was in there. Um, You know, I'm like a lot of fans. It just scares the heck out of me to see Wondale Robinson back there in the backfield, carrying the ball that much. I still don't understand why they can't throw the ball more than 10 yards down the field. Um, but when you really think about it, and I think I, you know, I read this on the blog somewhere, a person made the comment, really the only offense that this team generated was when quarterback, the quarterback was getting flushed out of the pocket and, you know, was running for his life and, and gained yards. Um, so from that perspective, that is kind of frustrating, especially, you know, when, Scott Frost is supposed to be this offensive guru and, and things just are not working well on the offense. But I think the line is better and I think the defensive line is better. I understand defense gave up 501 yards uh, of total offense, but you know what? When they had to step up, they stepped up. And that brought back, you know, just very little shades of those memories, you know, from back in the day when you could count on the defense, you know, to rise up and, and, and win a ball game. And, so I guess I feel good about that. You know, Illinois is going to come. Uh, we play Illinois this weekend, and uh, I know we'll talk about that later. I just hope that there's a um, that the whole team is on an upward um, trajectory right now because Illinois is good enough to beat Nebraska. And if Nebraska doesn't show up, you know, we'll be back where we were a week ago. I want to. I want to comment on, on what both of you said uh john first you mentioned the defense i think the defense played very well you know they they you know got the ball back early 
you know, Cam Taylor Britt with the uh, the interception and the nice return, and then the defensive touchdown, which we don't see too often from Nebraska anymore. Um, and I will say, yeah, I'll, I'll just go ahead and say it. Some of those calls that were in the fourth quarter, if those were against Nebraska instead of for Nebraska, I'd be pulling my hair out. Uh, but since they were for Nebraska, you know, I it, it's okay. <laughs> you know, they, I I'm not going to say that the refs uh, won the game for us. I'm going to say that uh, you know they they certainly aided in moving things along a little bit. Um. It, as far as the offensive side, and I think we'll get into a little bit more detail. These are just broad strokes right now. Uh, you know, they, they had that little uh, shuffle pass to Xavier Betts, and that was a 41-yard touchdown for the freshman. And we didn't see really anything. I think maybe he had a reception in the second half or, or two. I, I feel like uh, his name was called, but they never went. And look, I get it. You never want to go back to the well too often, but... Uh, when you need a spark, when you need something to maybe sustain a drive, you've got one of the speedier, you know, players out there on your team. Even if they, even if they are looking for it, you can use that as a diversion and run, you know, the opposite way. If they think, oh crap, he's gonna, you know, get that little shuffle pass and and you know keep going to that end of the field, well, that's a that's a little QB option. He keeps it, you know, McCaffrey keeps it. And go, I, I don't know. I feel like, yeah, in the second half, the uh, uh, play calling, offensive play calling, became uh, a little too milk, you know, milk toast, a little too safe. Um, you, you've got to. I think it was a friend of the show, Josh, who said, "You got, you're up 21 points. You got to learn to you know, go for the kill. You know, you got to put the, yeah. the your boot on their throat." And and they just they didn't they didn't have that in them. Um, I want to talk about. You know the the gameplay in the trenches. I feel like this defensive line is uh, underrated and very impressive. Uh, you know, Ty Robinson is is a mammoth. Just wait. This is before we get a guy like uh, Nash Hutmacher. Hut Hut whatever. That's before the polar bear. Masher. Just call him Net Masher. Everybody will know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm just going to call him the polar bear. Uh, but this is a, before a guy like uh, him is coming in. You know, and and he's going to do some big things. You know, in, in his career, but you know, Ty Robinson's just—he's—he's he's outstanding, and and uh, what a what a great uh, addition he is. I feel like the linebackers are playing as well as the linebackers have played for Nebraska in the last decade as a unit. Um, you know, and, and no, no, I don't think any one is outshining the other. Does that make sense? I mean, jo- Jojo Doman has has you know bright spots, but Rymers plays well. Colin Miller plays well. Uh, Will Honus has has played tremendously well. You know, in, in in a you know coming back after that injury last year, uh, and then the secondary has you know we talk about the the interceptions. Cam Taylor Britt, you you know obviously they got you know we missed him in the first half against Northwestern. Uh, uh, but you know, I, I made the comment on Saturday on Twitter that I'm really enjoying the level of play that uh, Markel Dismuke is, is showing uh, this year, and DiCaprio Boodle is is consistent. Um, and 
you know, think I can, I can appreciate all those guys. You know, they, they quietly handed out some black shirts this past week. Uh, and be honest with you, I'm all right with the fact that they quietly handed them out. There wasn't a whole lot of pomp and circumstance and, and, uh, you know, uh, video packages. It, I feel like it's more authentic that way. You know, they don't have to draw a lot of attention to, you know, I think what a lot of fans are already seeing by the production on the field. They gave out 12 of them. There's only 11 defensive starters. They they work an extra. The whole tradition has been blown up. Who wouldn't, wouldn't it Bo Pelini, who was at one point giving out 13 or 14 or 15? Oh, yeah, he was giving out. Yeah, based on you know like personnel packages and you know playing time things like that. Um, Sixty-four. And I I think uh, Frost said, or or maybe it was attributed to Frost a quote saying something about how uh, these aren't permanent and you're gonna have to continue to earn them every week. Uh, you know, so a little little something to motivate. Luke, Luke Reimers didn't get one. I, I, I'm so, John. You you say that like I had any control in this? Like you're complaining at me. It's like, damn it, Greg, why didn't you give Luke Reimers his, his black shirt? He'll get one by the end of the year. Mark my words. He, Are you feeling he, guilty about something you need to let out? Yeah, for all for all that influence I have in the Nebraska locker room, I apologize. <laughs> um, John Johnston didn't get a black shirt this year. What the hell's up with that? Nobody's been a staunch defender. Huh? Huh? Yeah, huh? there you go. Yeah. Honorary black shirt. I can see it now. John Johnston running them out onto the field at the end of the tunnel walk and maybe making it to the sideline and falling over. I I had so I was gonna say something and then you brought that into my head and I'm now I'm thinking about falling over on the sideline. <clears throat> okay, so we got uh, Cam win, Taylor win. Britt, DiCaprio Boodle, Markel Dismuke, and Deontay Williams in the secondary. Mm-hmm. Colin Miller, Will Honus at inside linebacker, JoJo Doman, Garrett Nelson, and Caleb Tanner at outside linebacker. Ben Stilley, Ty Robinson, and Damian Daniels on the defensive line. I mean, do, do you think would anybody have noticed if they just wouldn't have given them out at all? I think they'd chalk it up to 2020. Be like, damn it, 2020, now we don't have any black shirts. I thought it was interesting. We heard nothing from, you know, the media. Where are the black shirts? Where are the black shirts? Where are the black shirts? That's been the, you know, the annual siren call. And, you know, we didn't, we didn't hear any of that. And then, you know, all of a sudden you see on Twitter, um, a couple of guys carrying their black shirts to their locker, you know, Um, which I think that's fine with me. I mean, you know, that's a team thing. That's, I almost think that, you know, the, the media got carried away with that. And I think too many doggone people, too many fans are way too concerned about who gets a black shirt and who doesn't. I mean, that that's one of those things that needs to be contained within the team. And I think Frost is doing that. And it's being done the right way. Do you think after this pandemic over is over, he's actually ever going to go back to having real life, like reporters at practice and, and reporters at a press conference or he's just going to say, 
no, we're not going to have any buddy. We're no media anywhere. I'll meet you on Zoom for the rest of my life. If he can do that, he will. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> but, but you know, he he wouldn't be the only one. You know, I think, you know, the majority of, of college coaches would, you know, much prefer to not have media at the practices and, and uh, you know, not have to, I don't know, I, it's, it's a nice gesture that he even goes on and has the, the online press conference with him once a week or however, you know, he, he doesn't, <laughs> that, at some point you got to stop, you know, worrying about coddling the media and the fan base and just go out there and win games. Yeah. Well, yeah, now he's put that on a again, t-shirt. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, he won one. We let's let's keep going. We let's let's build a pattern. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'd like not, to see a streak, a streak, a streak at two would be good right now. Well, yeah. You know what? Here's the thing. Uh, the only time, the only game that I really heard about Illinois was their opener on that Friday night where they got trounced by Wisconsin. You know, we were all looking at that and seeing, oh, where did they go wrong? Um, and and then, we, you know, because we're like, obviously we're going to play Wisconsin. Then we didn't play Wisconsin. So Illinois, even though I live in that state, they have not even been in my thought thoughts at all. Illinois? Yeah. The Illini? Wow. Well... If you remember that first game against the Wisconsin, Graham Mertz, the Wisconsin quarterback, set a school record for completions. I think he went 20 of 21, which was – when you hear it, it's unbelievable unless you watch the Illinois defense. And uh, they – social distanced the hell out of the, themselves away from the Wisconsin receivers. I mean, they didn't even bother. I mean, Nebraska's defense, the secondary didn't look good against Ohio State, but you're looking at Ohio State team that's probably got a lot of people going to the NFL. Illinois, it was like they didn't even try to play defense in that game. So it was really, I don't I don't want to say embarrassing. I guess they weren't so embarrassed about it they got better uh, because they certainly didn't get better against Purdue the next week. And, and their defenses looked a lot like Minnesota's. Like uh, they're all standing around there looking at each other going, why the fuck are we playing football? (laughs) Do you, so I think, I think this particular character slash mascot was retired before Nebraska joined the big 10, but do you all remember chief Illinois? Yes. Yes. You know that they are trying for God's sake. Yeah, I know. Well, you know, but you're old from a different (laughs) conference. So I didn't know if it, if it mattered. Um, you know that they are trying. There is a a strong movement in Champaign to do away with the fighting Illini. Period. Are you familiar with that? Have you heard? Like they they want to change the mascot completely. Um, and I'll you read mean this. Get rid t- of the the mascot, or get rid of the team name. The the team name. Change it to like uh, the Blaze. Uh, the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign's uh, Senate on Monday. This was back in September uh, of of this year, obviously. Uh, so the, Monday's not like this past Monday. But they endorsed the idea of making the belted kingfisher a blue and orange bird native to the state and known for its high speeds, the school's new mascot. So it could not be, you know, they, we could be, in the final years of the Illinois fighting Illini and the, instead the Illinois Kingfisher. 
you know, Greg, I went out to the Illinois game last year, um, picked up my daughter in Dubuque and drove down to Champaign and met one of her softball teammates and her dad, who was a Illinois grad. Um, that's, that was kind of a neat atmosphere there that day, but there was a lot of in the Grange Grove, I think mm-hmm. is what they called it. There was a lot of signage, a lot of t-shirts, a lot of little placards that were in support of bringing back chief, I can't say the name, Illinois or whatever. Illinois. Bringing, reinstating that. Correct. So, you know, I, that, that could be an interesting tussle if, if, you know, that comes to play in, in Illinois. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I remember when, you know, of course they used to have a, a student portray the chief, uh, you know, and, and would run out of football games and, and run half court at basketball games and, and do a very, now again, I'm, I'm Caucasian, non-Hispanic, non-Native American. So take this with a grain of salt, but by all accounts, it was a very traditional, non-parody in no way you know, was it making fun of uh you know native culture but would go out and do a a performance a dance things like that and it reminds me of the fact that you know like the Chicago Blackhawks are able to be called the Blackhawks because of the reverence that they have for uh that particular native american figure i i it's been a, a little while since I read the, all the history on that, but like, that's not one that you ever hear, you know, any groups trying to get the names changed, like, you know, the Redskins or the Cleveland Indians, you know, Florida state Seminoles, I think even, well, maybe not so much the Florida state Seminoles. Um, but you know, they, they came hard after, uh, after chief Illinois there at Illinois. And, you know, so he's that, that character has been retired for a number of years, but now it, I mean, it it would be interesting, um, you know. Be I think the I think it'd be uh, separated by generational lines. You know the the support yeah. uh, to to reinstate versus the support to move away completely. So that's just my opinion. I just want to bring it up since we're playing Illinois this week. So their choice is a Indian math chief or a kingfisher bird. Yep, the belted kingfisher. <laughs> Blue and orange and native to the state and known for its uh, high rates of speed. What what famous political figure was known as the Kingfisher? Huey Long, wasn't it? Ding, ding, ding. You are the winner. I'm going to build a bridge across Mississippi and name it after myself. <laughs> I went across that bridge before they redid it. He was, I, saw the really, bullet, I saw the bullet holes in the marble at the state capitol where they gunned him down. Well, he he was known you know as this the, is going? he was known as did, the kingfish, not the kingfisher. I don't king know. Fish? Yeah. All right. Close enough. <laughs> I get. Is this how exciting Illinois football is? I don't know you anything know, else about him. Uh, although I will say, uh, I was supposed to be at that game last year, Todd. Uh, that was right after I messed up my back. Uh, you know, it turned out I had a ruptured disc and we were on the way. Like we didn't even leave our town and I pulled over. I'm like, this is not happening. We're not, I'm not going to be able to drive to Champaign, you know, tailgate, sitting in the stands or stand in the stands and then drive back and get back at one in the morning. I said, it's not, it is not likely to happen. So we I watched it from home, but, but it is, it's a, 
you know, and, and my well, my college football in person experiences are, are limited. I've been to uh, see Nebraska play UCLA at the Rose Bowl back in 2012, and I've seen two Nebraska Illinois games in Champaign. Champaign has a pretty nice little atmosphere. They have a pretty active student section, um, but there will come a day. It's not going to be this year. It's not going to be next year. But I, eventually, I'll get to Lincoln uh, and, and see what it's you know not see quote not not with any dis- disparaging intent, but you know, I'm going to see what it's all about. I can't wait to to get in there and, and experience that for myself the first time. So, okay, well. Brandon Peters is normally the starting quarterback for the Illini <clears throat> trying to go back to actual football. <laughs> okay, Brandon Peters may be starting this weekend. He may be back against Nebraska. Uh, I do think that the Illini have some offensive weapons. They should be able to score points. Uh, they had a guy named Chase Brown last week run for 131 yards against Rutgers, and I know we can all go blah, 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 Rutgers, but, you know, whatever. Didn't they beat Michigan uh, they State? Have, what? Didn't Ruck, Rutgers beat Michigan State? Yeah. Yeah. So we can't just go blah, 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 Rutgers. You know. they, well, have, they There you go. They, Illinois can score. They have that uh, Josh, and I'm going to butcher his name, Josh Immerbebe. Just call him transfer from USC. He's a receiver. He transferred from USC. Pretty good receiver. Although in the games I watched, he, I, I he couldn't catch the ball or the dam. I was kind of surprised by this. It's like Illinois has a disease or something. The yips. But they could get their all their crap together in one week and beat us. Well, their defense. I know you know you had said a couple of different times how porous their defense was. Uh, against Wisconsin, but I do know last year it was incredible how hard hitting their defense was, you know, and and Lovey Smith is a defensive coach and, uh, you know, Scott Frost was even quoted about saying, you know, how sore the players were after that game they played last year against Illinois. So, you know, I don't expect Illinois to come in here and Nebraska is going to walk all over them. Nebraska is not that kind of team at this point in time. So they better be ready to strap it up and um, and play. Illinois' defense is 10th in scoring defense, 13th in total defense, 11th in rush defense, last in pass defense, uh, which are all pretty astonishing given the fact that uh, Minnesota is, doesn't barely even have a defense. And whenever P.J. Fleck runs down the field, he is moving faster than anyone <laughs> on his defense. So the fact that Illinois isn't uh, is last in pass defense should say something about just we need to score points. And if we do the same shit again this 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 time where we get this big lead and we sit on it, I'm going to burn something that's valuable to somebody else. There you go. I don't know what it is, but I have some very, very valuable firewood. <laughs> that sounds exciting. I'm mean, just saying, if you want to burn something, I feel like that's about the safest way to go. Come on down, John. We'll have a bonfire. We'll make some s'mores. How about a car? Can we burn your car? No, I'm about to hopefully trade my truck in by the end of the year. 
Well, we can just burn it. I, I really, I, I need, I need the, I need to trade it. I, I can't afford to buy Greg. a vehicle outright. John, Greg. John, John, Greg. John. Sports and burning vehicles go together. <laughs> only like if you're in Philadelphia. Jelly or, sandwiches. Only if you're in Philadelphia or the South, right? Well, let's start new things. No. What I like about the Nebraska Have fan you seen base. seen the news lately? It's all about the same shit. We need a good car burning going on somewhere because of some sports, right? That'd be at least different. Well, let's see. You had Tampa Bay, you know, Lightning won the Stanley Cup, and, uh, you know, they didn't celebrate publicly. Uh, you had the Lakers win the NBA Finals, right? Sure, we'll go with that. And, you know, mm-hmm. the, nobody in Los Angeles cares about sports, really. Um, Dodgers won the World Series. Dodgers, see, that's just, and again, same thing. Nobody cares. Um, so really, so really, the time is ripe, Greg. <laughs> we are due for a good sports-related riot, and uh, I have a feeling it's going to happen when somebody from the SEC lucks into the college football playoffs again, and and. Uh, That's the other thing about this is the SEC is always known as the people full of unreasonable fan bases, unreasonable schools. What was it this in the last week that Alabama's the Tuscaloosa City Council approved some big ass college party gathering? 600 people at a sorority party. (laughs) Those people have taken all the insanity and the craziness in the nation and sucked it into themselves. And I think it's just right that some of the Big Ten schools should take it back and be a little bit more insane than they are. Not just by, because Scott Frost says we want to play football and, oh God, you're going to leave the Big Ten. Maybe we should burn something like your truck. Why has it got to be my truck, John? Why? Because you offered it up. Didn't. Nope. Oh, by the way, I found Greg. out I found out why uh, you were coming in so so low volume wise, John. Yes, that's because uh, uh, the while I have the soundboard and while everything is right on my soundboard, I had the volume turned down to a much lower level than usual on my laptop. So <laughs> it's all my fault. Don't worry, you're fine. You're 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 so d- really you were angry at me. Yeah, subconsciously. My, my, I, I want to burn your truck. So, <laughs> so I noticed that you uh, you copied me with the goatee, and all I can no, hope, I didn't copy you. Well, I didn't copy you with the goatee. I grew this goatee because this is the only thing resembling somewhat of a beard that I could grow without looking exactly like Ted Kaczynski. Okay, well, let me finish my thought. So you copied okay. me with the goatee, <laughs> and and it's my hope in twenty or so years that I can be a silver fox uh, like you and have the, the flowing gray locks. They're, they're going to get longer. I'm going for the big Lebowski look. Nobody knows that, but that's where I'm going. That's why I got the robe. It's I a Jedi robe, but it's also a dude robe. Are you going to start drinking white Russians on the podcast now? No, I no alcohol. I'm done with it forever. Well, you could just drink a glass of milk. I don't care. Make it look like a white Russian for me. Okay. Okay, are we done with Illinois? Did we other than prediction? 
Yeah, we can say the prediction for the end. I know that you two want to uh, share a few stories. Hey, did I win the prediction thing last week? Uh, I think I did. I don't think so. Mostly because I don't remember the predictions, but I'm just going to go ahead and say no. I had 31-21. I, I think I said 32-28 to 28 or something, didn't I? I think I said 31-23, so I don't know. Well, Nate picked him to lose, so... <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> Fuck you, Nate. You loser. Wow. Loser. So... And then he comes on the post-game podcast or whatever it was, and he's like, I'm going to be Mr. Positive, son of a bitch. Maybe that's how... Maybe I should start accusing him of being a communist instead of Todd. Maybe you're both communists. If if his negativity before the game leads to wins every week, then let him do it. Let him be perennially wrong and take that one for the team. There you go. So... Uh, before we get to predictions, there was the passing this week uh, of an icon of downtown Lincoln, uh, Joyce Durand, who uh, was the owner and operator of the Sidetrack Bar, if I'm getting that, all that right. Um, and just hearing a few of the tales that I heard before we started recording, I know that there was a time or two where John got sidetracked at the old sidetrack. You guys want to, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, spill a little tea, you know, uh, uh, share, share a little, a few stories of, of some of your good memories at the sidetrack. Yes. I, and I want to, I want to kick this off a little bit because John's got some great stories, but you know, a lot of people talk about game day atmosphere in Lincoln and, you know, there is absolutely no question that what makes Lincoln unique on game day are the bars downtown. And, you know, they just get jam packed with people. And a lot of times little part, little pet bands or part of the band breaks up into pet bands and they go to the bars and play, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the sidetrack was one of absolutely one of the hot spots. I mean, it, it was one of the places to be. And Joyce Duran had, it was her behind the piano with what she called the sidetrack band. And originally when John and I were in college, the sidetrack was a little bar that sat down by the railroad station down in uh, the Haymarket. And uh, eventually then she had to move up um, closer to downtown. It was but, dingy. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was quite the place. Um, but you know uh, what, what made it, I think really special for us was um, we ran with uh, a pretty good-sized posse, I guess, in today's vernacular when we were in college. There was a group of us. We called ourselves Scum, um, Scum of the Earth. We talked about that on a previous <laughs> episode. But um, we would we would uh, start our weekend at the sidetrack on Thursday nights. And um, we'd be there Thursday night, and we'd be there Friday night, and we'd be there before the game, and we'd be there after the game. Um, and I guess we were about as regular as, as could be. And we developed some strong friendships with Joyce and her sons, um, the members of the band, you know, the sweet potato band would play there and they were part of the sidetrack band too. But, um, you know, we, we developed, a, you know, some real strong relationships and friendships with those people. And Joyce would sit behind the piano, um, from the time that place opened. And, you know, a lot of times she wouldn't even take a break and she would play till close. And you had this sing along 
all night. And she would play whatever people requested. They'd play Green Acres probably five times a night. They would sit, they would play, you know, the Munsters theme song and everybody in the bar is clicking their fingers like that. Oh my God. That's, wait, right. that, that's the Adams family point of order. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. Adams family. My bad. I got my, yeah, my 1960s sitcoms <laughs> that wrong. Uh, and, and hey, but, you guys are old enough to know, not to interrupt, but you guys are old enough to know, probably. Did you know that Adam's Family actually started off as a comic strip? No, I did not know that. There you go. All right, carry on. Well, anyway, Joyce Joyce was also an incredible musician. And in fact, you know, I read a little bit today about, you know, she was an incredible musician. She was also very active in politics, uh, which was something I didn't know. And, um, you know a very strong leader for one of the parties in, in Nebraska. But, um, you know, you would go down there and there were the regulars and, and, you know, just, you'd hear the same songs. And, um, I guess the first thing, and I'll let, I'll turn it back over to John here in a minute. But one of the first things that I remember from that place was all of a sudden out of nowhere, she'd start banging away on the keys to tequila and you know the song tequila you know and what that meant was then the the lights would start flashing at the back bar and you'd go back there for an upside down margarita and you had to back up to the bar and lean over backwards you know pay him your i think it was two bucks for an upside down margarita you'd hand him the two bucks you'd lean your head over backwards and they'd pour the upside down margarita in your mouth. And it, you know, start with the, with the lime and the salt and the tequila. And, you know, it was just that kind of a bar. And, you know, the, the people would just line up for those upside down margaritas. Um, but that was one of my first memories. I've got a lot of great, great memories, but I'll, I'll let John talk a little bit too. <laughs> I, you mentioned the upside down margaritas. And when I was out in Shadron, uh, again, college town, um, uh, and I was college age. I, you know, I moved out there. I was uh, a month into being 21 years old. And, you know, the, the, uh, oftentimes the, you know, the party at the bar would migrate to, you know, become a house party or sometimes we'd forego the, the bar altogether. But I remember sitting around, you know, in a room, everybody kind of sitting on a cooler, you know, or a chair or something like that. And somebody, I was introduced to the concept of, we they called it out there a huskerita, but it was the same thing except no no uh salt and no lime. It was just you know you you tilt your head back and you got tequila in one hand and margarita mix in the other, and they just poured them in at the same time. Yeah. So <laughs> I was like, uh, you know, to be to be twenty one and dumb again. <laughs> you were supposed to shake your head to do that yeah. properly before you swallowed. Yeah. It. Yeah. yeah, I left that out. <laughs> Well, I think a lot of people remember the fact that Joyce could take damn near any song and turn it into a Husker song parody. Like the Oklahoma song, you remember it is what what how did she end it? Well, at one point she did it, you know, go boomer sooner, boomer sooner, boomer sooner, whatever. And then it would say where they say OU, she would always say 3.2, making fun of Oklahoma because they had 3.2 beer. But <laughs> at the end, the very last one would be you know, boomer sooner. And instead of saying, Oh, you, she'd say, fuck you. And she was from Oklahoma. She, that was, she was a native of Oklahoma, but she'd play that. But right after she would end the last word on that song, 
man, she just start jamming on good old Nebraska U. And everybody in the bar is standing up clapping and singing along. And then, um, the, but then I'm not sure if it was Dear Old Nebraska U or the other Nebraska song, and I'm drawing a blank, but nobody knows the words. But those were the words to the song at the sidetrack. Don't know the words. Don't <laughs> know the words. words. We don't know the words. You know, and don't <laughs> know the words. The whole bar that's how was. Everybody sang it. But, you know, John's right with the parodies. There was the Carl, you know, when Carlos Polk was playing linebacker at Nebraska, she, they had the song, the Carlos Polka. And then there was another song that she had about with, with Eric Crouch. I don't remember that. But, but about the time of the problems in the Middle East, I know it wasn't a Nebraska parody, but I remember a song where one of the lyrics was firing a missile up the Ayatollah's ass, but I don't <laughs> quite remember well. that song was. But, uh, yeah, it, it was good times, definitely good times there. My favorite memory of the Sidetrack Tavern was when I was running for student body president as president of SCUM. My vice president, Kurt and I walked into the bar and Paul Newton stopped. Paul was her sidekick. Paul Newton stopped playing, saw us come in, stopped and pointed me out and said, ladies and gentlemen, welcome the scum of the earth. And the whole place turned and looked at us and started cheering and clapping. And it was at that moment in my life that I discovered I had an ego. (laughs) Because up until that moment, I had been pretending and faking my way through life. And after that moment, I got known by so many people. And we've discussed this before. I ran for student body president. And uh, while I may not have won the election, I certainly won because I didn't have to buy my own beer for months. And I I got known by people all over campus. Uh, My other memories of the sidetrack were uh, one morning after a visit to the sidetrack, I woke up. And my face was kind of a, it was a bloody mess. And uh, my chin was all scraped up and my forehead was all scraped up. And they explained to me that I had walked out of the bar and fallen flat on my face on the ground outside. Oh, God. And uh, my best friend Dale looked at me and he goes, you look at yourself and your head scraped up and your chin scraped up, but your nose doesn't have a mark on it. Your fucking nose is so big. It has its own brain saw the ground coming and got out of the way. <laughs> I never forgot that line. Uh, another line, another thing that happened, we, we played trivia at the sidetrack too. We went down there and played trivia, if you remember that, Todd. But we, we basically partially lived at the place. Uh, one night, they would take requests. The band would take requests. And one night, I went to get uh, asked for a request to be played. And instead of walking to the bar... I just kind of slunk off of my chair and crawled on my hands and knees up to Paul and laying on the floor, yanked on his pant leg as he bent down to hear my request, which was probably pissing in the wind. But uh, Joyce was a Joyce was a great entertainer. And I mean, she entertained God knows how many people for God knows how many years just loved going to that place because you know, there, there wasn't anything nice about it. It wasn't a place where you walked in and you went, wow, the decor here is incredible. It was, it, by all descriptions, kind of a dive bar. But 
it was always fun and and the people there were always really wonderful to be around and you know Joyce Duran passing is uh the passing of an era for a lot of people at the University of Nebraska Lincoln you know i want to i want to share something too that is related to football there and that was I, I, when i was in school there we had two um you know Oklahoma came to play twice while i was in school there and you knew it was Oklahoma week on that Thursday because if you didn't get down to the sidetrack by five o'clock, you weren't getting a seat because people from Oklahoma, Oklahoma fans started rolling into Lincoln early. They knew of the sidetrack. So there would be OU fans in that bar on, on that Thursday night. And just the, and you know, it was, there was nothing mean spirited about it. Um, it was just, you know, kind of camaraderie. I mean, yeah, you do a little trash talk and some of that, but you knew it was a big event in town that night. And, you know, the, the, they sang the fight song a few more times than usual, but those OU nights were just amazing. And we would never have left the bar if the ordinance didn't force us to, because we would have stayed right through the start of the game because it was, it was that much fun, you know, being there for, for those games. Um, that's, that was a big deal. And something else I want to say too, is that even after I graduated, you know, I lived three hours away after I graduated, I still tried to get down to as many games as I could. And we'd still hit, sit the high, hit the sidetrack, but even 10, 15 years later, um, we would go into the sidetrack and there were enough people there that still remembered us. And it was still scum in the house. Paul Newton would say scum in the house. And, and Joyce, you know, she, she, you know, kind of wink at us or smile at us, you know, when we came through and, and, you know, that was, I'm not going to call a bar a second home because that's, it's not a second home or if it is, that's, that's a problem, but, but it was, yeah, whatever. it was a place where we all, we, we, our friendships became cemented, you know, because of the, of the sidetrack, I think in large part. So obviously with the uh, Joyce Durant's passing, I know you guys feel like um, a little bit of your, your youth, a little bit of your mischievous uh, youth it has gone as well. John, what's the matter? Why are you holding your hand? So funny. What the, didn't we do something with uncle Ed? Didn't she make us do the Uncle Ed? Yeah, something with, I don't, we need We Kurt. had to pledge allegiance to Uncle Ed, who was a TV show host, I think, out of Kansas City. or It was weird. Anyway, it just came into my head. Okay, yes, I'm sorry, Greg, go on. <laughs> I, uh, I was just saying, if you uh, ever visited the sidetrack, if you were scum of the earth or not, we take this moment. John can't participate. He can. He chooses not to. But we uh, take this moment. We raise our glass, our can, our bottle, our beverage to Joyce. May she forever rest in peace and raise a little hell along the way. <sighs> Hope I did you proud, John. Yeah. She was a, you know, she's an amazing person. She, I, I, she reminded me a lot of my mom because my mom could entertain people being a DJ. And, and I really appreciated Joyce on that level that she 
it was tireless, it had so much energy and knew exactly what to do to, to make people have fun. And then she didn't really, I, I think probably the, the biggest thing I could say about her is that she was one of those people that probably never looked down upon anybody in her life. You know, and he never, never acted as if anybody was beneath her that I can ever remember. So I think that part was pretty special too, that you always felt comfortable being there. You always felt like you were around people that, um, that you wanted to be around because they were just, they were really wanted to have fun and they weren't worried about all the other shit that goes on in life. And uh, that, that part was beautiful. Well, let's wrap this episode up with something that we hope is just as beautiful. Predictions for Nebraska v. Illinois. Coming to you live this Saturday. Todd, it's... I'm going to stick with the same one I gave last week, 31-21. Way to go out on a limb. Way to try something different. Way to expand your horizons. (laughs) Well, I'll have a different one for the following week. That's hate week, isn't it? Yep. Yes. Next week. Yes. By the way, Hoss yes. is going to be here, so I'll have to phone mine in. Why is why why do you have to phone yours in? Oh well, do I get to join if Hoss is here? Sure. I figured, I figured I'd have to slide off to the side, maybe. I, I mean, mean, he's royalty. He is. <laughs> he is. We'll just he, let him talk a lot. We'll he, make him. We'll let him feel good about himself. He, uh, Haas, Haas sits at the right hand, if you know what I mean. Uh, I just, I just wish we had somebody that could analyze games like that guy can analyze games. That's he's, he's, God, he's good. Oh, you mean them comments he made about that touchdown pass and the the deep third and the it was the deep third and the cover three and you know they were in a wicked Jamili and and on a red and a you know blue whatever thingy, you know. <laughs> Yes, that kind of stuff. God bless. You. Can't wait. Well, I did, but I don't want to show anybody up. Is it my <laughs> turn to make a prediction, Greg? John? It's your turn to make a prediction. I believe. I believe that this week the offense is going to be an explosion for three quarters, <laughs> and instead of going to dormancy and for a whole half, they're only going to do it for a quarter. They're going to take little steps to giant things. And they're going to have three quarters of scoring and one quarter of nothing. Everybody's still going to be mad when they win, 45 to 21. Okay. So we have 31-21, 45-21. All right. So this Saturday, if you're listening to this when we drop this episode, which is Friday, tomorrow, Saturday, November 21st, the Illinois Fighting Illini head to Lincoln, Nebraska, Memorial Stadium, where there is no place better for college football. And those poor, pathetic Kingfishers will flap one-wingedly back to Champaign after Nebraska destroys them. So you see, Illinois will not get to 20 points. Illinois will be lucky to get to 14 points. Nebraska will win this game 45-10. to 10. That is my prediction. 
did you have to like channel somebody? Did you speak to a, a another spirit, another world where you're doing that? Or um, what the uh, hell is going on there, man? Karnak, the great Karnak. I'm going to have to do a little bit better preparation. I was <laughs> not aware that you, this is more of a production prediction rather than just spewing something out. No, I, mean, I, I, I think I think out of the three of us, the one who did the most spewing was me. So you, you're fine. <laughs> hey, Todd, you remember that night I hit you in the head with a 45 and cut your head open? <laughs> I do not remember that night. Did you fling it? Was that when we were flinging records out the window? Something like that. Yeah, I hit you square yeah. in the morning forehead, cut your head all the hell. You got upset with me for some fucking reason. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, go figure. Go figure. <laughs> I think we were taking golf clubs still too, or something. <laughs> all right. Anyway, well, this has been a blast. Uh, we hope you all enjoyed this trip down memory lane, uh, John. Now that you've been sober yes. for going on six plus months, any regrets? For uh, being uh, sober? Uh, yeah. None whatsoever. I don't even miss it. If if you could go back to the sidetrack for one more round, would you? Well, I'd probably do that. All right. Just because, you know, I I tell you what, I'd do it if they, if there was going to be a lot of the same people back there. You know, if I got to see Paul Newton and uh, Dallas was her son's name that yeah. he sang underdog. Robbie uh, Paula. Paula. Okay. Yeah. If I got to see those people again, yeah, I'd fucking I'd lay one on. <laughs> all right social media and then i died and then i just moved to texas after that because my wife would be going just fucking keep going buddy <laughs> well, well we don't a we don't believe that would happen but two social media do your thing let's get a john's return to the sidetrack going well it, the bar is gone my understanding is is they yeah, uh the club um, bar closed years ago and they moved to the single barrel and uh well never mind then we can't yeah. we can't do that reunion. I feel I feel horrible. All things in, Greg. Okay, but do all things Which truly is why you begin. Enjoy them. You know what? Best advice you can have is enjoy it while you got it, man, because someday it's going to be gone. Like any color we had in our hair. Now, this is a beautiful I'll tell you what. I have the most beautiful gray silver hair. I didn't even die it this way. It just happens. I ain't no Rudy Judy Giuliani spewing die down my face kind of thing going on here. This is my natural, beautiful, grayish wisdom hair. I had for lines of bullshit. We should probably end now. <laughs> All right. We should. We hope that you enjoyed this show. Uh, pass it along to your friends. Share it on social media. Uh, comment. You know, use your voice. We still have that feature. And you can use your voice uh, before the game, after the game, whatever part of the game you feel really aggravated or really full of joy. Uh, you can call and leave us a, uh, a voicemail all on the voicemail line, 402-327-1830. That is 402-327-1830. Hey, look, it's not a local number for me. It's a local number for your benefit, so use it, fuckers. Um, that's all we have uh, for Todd Wolverton, for John Dam Johnston. My name is Greg Mahachko. We remind you this week and every week that five heart is all the heart you need. John? We don't know the words. We don't know the words. By the way, Todd, 
My boomer zoomer was boom sooner, boom sooner, boom sooner, suck shit. And then we, you know, then we yelled that sometimes. Anyway, go big red. Joyce Duran. And win the damn game.